one of the reasons why we do film and theology is you have to remember that our minds are always on. We, they, they never shut off. We are always observing things around us. We are always processing information. And because, so because of that fact, that means that there's no such thing as mindless entertainment. Whenever we go watch something, do something, whether it's a movie or a concert, TV show, whatever it is, our minds are always taking those things in. And so a lot of people say we just want to run away from culture and not be a part of it. Well, that's really impossible. We will always be a part of culture because we are always ingesting it. And so that means that we need to discern it and then understand it. And so when we look at movies, we wrap our ideas and our minds around the narrative themes that people are trying to get us to engage in. I mean, you can even walk down uh, the street and, and look at what's in storefronts or look at people are talking to each other. There's, there's always all these narrative themes that, that people talk to each other in. Uh, the Apostle Paul goes into Athens and in Greece and he sees the narrative themes that the people are buying into and he engages those themes directly. He starts to talk to them in terms they understand and he shows how the things that they are hoping and the things that they are looking at can actually point to the one true God. That all the hope that they're searching for is actually found in him. And what you notice throughout the scriptures is that God is a storyteller. All of our attempts at storytelling are merely a reflection of God being the greatest storyteller there is. He begins it all. The scriptures start with, in the beginning. This is the idea of the narrative story. So when we look at films, part of the reason we looked at films like we do is we want to know who is the good guy, who's the bad guy, what's the message, who's the antagonist, who's the protagonist, what are we being told is truth by a certain film, what's the meta narrative, what equals truth tragedy, what equals romance. And we don't just show you the movies that we do because we like them, because we do. We don't just show you them to preach at you like, like we do. We show them because we actually enjoy the movies. We, but we want to be able to watch discerningly, that when you take things in, you can look at it and kind of think through it. And so we want you to watch movies with discernment. And so we want to figure out all that we see and what we do. How does it speak to the writer's view of a movie of what humanity is supposed to be? Tonight we hit this movie called Inception. The movie runs all over the place, all over the place. Uh, who, who's never seen it? Never seen it. All right, you're in for a ride. Uh, you'll probably get lost at some point, but that's okay. You're kind of supposed to, all right? And then he hopefully will bring us all back together. At the end, you might still feel lost. Oh, I'm sorry, whatever. Uh, the movie is uh, two hours and 28 minutes long. So it's, it's kind of long, so I'm just going to give you a few things, and we'll jump right into the movie. Uh, the movie cost $160 million to make. Uh, to this point worldwide, it has made back 120, or $820 million. So it's made back what it spent. But this is what $160 million gets you, apparently. Uh, when you start the movie, there's no opening credits or titles. Uh, Christopher Nolan does, did this with the last Batman movie as well. It just kind of started right into the movie. And so the movie is done by a guy named Christopher Nolan. Uh, he's one of my favorite directors. He made Memento, The Prestige. Yay! Great, great movie. Uh, uh, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, as well as a bunch of others. He was born in London in 1970. He began making films at the age of seven with his father's Super 8 millimeter camera, and he used a bunch of little male action figures and started making his first movies. Uh, he has become more of a household name today because of the larger movies he's done. Uh, most of his movies are visually stunning. They're very inventive, and with Inception, no one kind of takes us into new territory, ideas of dreams, how they intertwine with reality, and at the, there's really no indication throughout the movie of which end is actually up. You're always wondering, am I still dreaming? Are they awake? What, what's going on? Even at the end, you kind of don't know a whole lot for certain but the ride's really fun if you just stick with it and go with it. Uh, the main character in the movie is Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Oh, nice brooding figure he is. He plays a guy named Cobb. Uh, his role was originally offered to Brad Pitt and Will Smith first, so they went with him. Uh, he's the leader of a band of dream criminals. I used to hate him and his acting, like movies like The Beach and all that. But then actually in the last few years, like The Departed, he's, he's done some very good movies. He's turned into a really good actor, so I eat my words when I used to say I hate him because now I actually like him. What, what's interesting about this movie, Inception, is that most of the characters, most of the actors in Inception, with the exception of Leonardo, have made their way into The Dark Knight Rises, the new Batman movie that's coming out next year. Almost every single character you've seen here will be in The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, next guy is called his name is Tom Hardy. This is actually what Bane looks like from the new Batman movie. And so he's going to play, he's playing Bane. In this movie, he plays a guy named Eames. You can also watch a really great uh, English movie uh, by, by Guy Ritchie, the guy that did uh, the new Sherlock Holmes, uh, called Rock and Rolla. Really funny. Uh, he is in it, and he's pretty funny in it too. Uh, next guy in the movie is called Cillian Murphy. This is from the Batman movies. Uh, he has been in both of Nolan's Batman movies. He plays the Scarecrow. Uh, this is the third Nolan movie in five years in which he will spend most of his time on screen with a bag on his head. Just... Dun-dun-dun. Okay. Uh, the next guy in the movie is Michael Caine. Yeah, I gotta like Michael Caine. He has been in almost every single one of Christopher Nolan's films. Uh, and despite his prominent billing in Inception, he really only gets almost, I think, like three minutes of screen time throughout the whole thing. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's the guy named Arthur in the movie. Uh, his role was originally offered to James Franco, who apparently didn't take it. Apparently nobody wanted to be in this movie. Uh, Marianne Cotillard, uh, this is Maul in the movie. Uh, she, her role was originally offered to Kate Winslet. Uh, Ellen Page, is the main female actress in the movie. And this, her role was originally offered to Evan Rachel Wood, Emily Blunt, Rachel McAdams, Emma Roberts, and Taylor Swift before they got to her. And, they went, and maybe somebody watched Juno and said, oh, hey, get that girl from Juno. She's not doing anything. So they went after her. Uh, the last guy I'll tell you about is a guy named Ken Watanabe. This is Ken Watanabe. I really like Ken Watanabe, by the way. He plays a guy in the movie named Sato. Uh, the role of Sato, Christopher Nolan wrote exactly for Ken Watanabe. Uh, he was in the first Batman movie, and he didn't get a whole lot of screen time in it. And so Christopher Nolan really liked him and wanted to have some more screen time for him in the movie. So he wrote his part for this movie so he could offer it to, to Ken Watanabe. Uh, next thing, uh, music will play a major role throughout this movie. Nolan uses an Edith Piaf song, and I'm gonna, I don't speak French, my wife does, but it's called, best I can without butchering it, Non je ne renete rien, which basically means no regrets. Uh, Marianne Cotillard, the girl that plays Mao in the movie, she actually played Edith Piaf in a different movie, and Christopher Nolan thought about, we're going to change the main theme song that we're going to use, because he didn't want people to think there was some type of relation between that movie and this one. But Hans Zimmer, most of you guys know who he is, he's a, he's a composer, he, he did the musical score for this movie, and he convinced Christopher Nolan to keep the song, because it works so well with the rest of the movie. Uh, here, here's, here's what the original song sounds like, it sounds like this. Okay, 
that's good. That's good. All right. So, so th- that's the movie that a lot of the musical scores is based on. When the movie starts, you will hear these gloomy, blaring trombones in the main theme. And what that is, is that's actually this song that Hans Zimmer took, and he wanted to make it sound like it was really slowed down. Like, and it's supposed to be what you would hear if you were dreaming and coming out of a deep sleep, and this song was playing. Instead, what you'd hear is how Hans Zimmer put it together. And so it's this song, but it's actually slowed down, and so it's real gloomy and kind of like that. When, when the music is heard by someone in a dream, it's always perceived that way. It's always perceived as being slowed down. And so uh, this is what they thought it would sound like to someone who was dreaming throughout the movie. Uh, the thematic device is brought to its logical conclusion where at the very end of the movie, at the end credits, it starts to play again, and it signals to you as the audience that it is now time for you to wake up and to leave the film. A direct translation of the lyrics for the song is, I regret nothing, no, I have no regrets. I regret neither the good things that were done to me nor the bad things, they are all the same to me. The past is paid, swept away, forgotten. I don't care of the past anymore. I set my memories on fire, my agonies and my pleasures. I don't need them anymore. Swept away in the agonies of love, swept away forever. I'm restarting with nothing. Now, the, the line in the, in the song, in the original French, I regret uh, neither the good things I've done nor the bad things, is the line, I'll do it again, I'm going to butcher it, I'm really sorry. It's like, ne le bien quan mafiat ni la mal. And mal, the last line in that, is where they got the name for uh, Cobb's wife throughout the movie that you'll see named mal, and they re- relate it to this song, so it gives it a double meaning. The running time in the movie, I said, is 2 hours and 28 minutes. The original length of Edith Piaf's song was 2 minutes and 28 seconds, and so they put those things together so it all went together. Now, according to Wally Pfister, uh, who was the cinematographer for this movie, Warner Brothers executives went to Christopher Nolan and said, we want you to shoot this movie in 3D. And Christopher Nolan refused to shoot the movie in 3D because he thought it would distract from the storytelling experience. So he said, I don't want to do it, which is kind of cool. When everybody's trying to run to 3D to make more movie, Christopher Nolan says, no, I'm not going to do it. Uh, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, Christopher Nolan explained that he based the rules, uh, the roles of the people in Inception uh, on the similar roles used in filmmaking. Cobb in the movie is seen as the director. Arthur is the producer. Ellen Page's character is the production designer. Eames is the actor. Sato is the studio. The guy you'll meet at the end, Fisher, which is Cillian Murphy, he's the audience. And, then, and he says, in trying to write a team-based creative process, I wrote the one I know. And so this is what you see in the movie. Uh, at, close to the end of the movie, they end up in somebody's new dream sequence. It's Cillian Murphy's. And if you, if you got it close enough, you can see one of the license plates on one of the cars. What, the, what it will say is the license plates will say the alternate state on the license plate frames. Uh, Ellen Page's hair at one point, they're, they're in zero gravity, and they're in this kind of hallway, and they have her hair in a tight bun. And they did that because they couldn't figure out how to make her hair look in, if it was all out in zero gravity, so they put it in a bun and said, there, we don't got to worry about it anymore, so they stuck it in a bun. Now, lastly, I'm not counting flashbacks, uh, Cobb's wedding ring that you'll see on his finger only appears in scenes that he's dreaming in, just to give you a little heads up if you want to try and figure something out throughout the movie. All right, uh, let's pray. I'll watch Inception. Father, thank you so much for film, for the creativity you give to directors and writers. We think you live in a time where special effects don't look anywhere like Clash of the Titans, uh, but they actually look good. And so we ask that tonight as we watch this movie, we would think of the narrative themes and we'd be able to honor you by how a movie impresses us to live better uh, lives that reflect your gospel. Amen. Inception. Anybody still confused? The second time through makes more sense? Yeah, it does a little bit, right? right. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a great...
movie at the end of it, is it a dream, is it real, what really happened? Um, what Christopher Nolan tried to do is actually tried to do that. He tried to place an idea in your head. So when you leave the movie, you're going, what, what just happened? Is he dreaming? So he's trying to actually place that in your head to do something kind of crazy. So I'll let you in on a little secret. Uh, the kids at the end of the movie are actually different actors than all the kids earlier in the movie. They're actually wearing different clothes, too. Michael Caine, uh, in an interview, said it's not a dream. So Cobb makes his way home. Yay. I'll thank God I was wondering it's going to... I was going to lose sleep over that. Okay, so so what do you what do you do with a movie like this? Uh, it's it's long, so I'll give you a couple ideas, and then I'll hear yours. If you want to give me some, we'll let you guys out of here really quick. Uh, Christopher Nolan, what he does in most of his movies, is he, he likes to tear apart humanity and look, look at it under a microscope. You see that with Ken Watanabe's character, Saito, at the very beginning to where he's at at the very end and how he kind of changes through that. But you see it a lot, actually, in Cobb. All of his recollections about his lost wife, he can't imagine her with all of her complexity. And so every time she shows up, it's, it's starting to destroy something that he's trying to create in his own mind. It's why she reacts the way that she does. He tells her towards the end of the movie, he said that she is just a shade of his real wife, that he can't imagine her with all of her real complexity. He says this. He says, you're the best I can do, but you're just not good enough. Now, see, that is the truth about all of humanity. We react to each other in a way that we perceive them to be. But people are much more complex than we can perceive them to be, what we make them to be. Why was somebody rude to you? You, know, you, you only get that moment where they're, where they're mean and they kind of go out of control on you. But you never get what led up to that moment. You only have what you perceive, what you try and reconstruct of them. You know, maybe they lost their dog. Maybe they got in a horrible fight with their spouse. Maybe you caught them on the worst possible day and the worst possible moment. But if you knew everything about them, if you were actually to reconstruct them how they truly were, maybe things would be different and you would have more understanding. You and I, we have a limited perception. And we still make these choices based upon our limited perception and think that we have free will to decide all of our stuff. God himself is the only one who is limitless, who sees everything and knows every possibility, and he is the only one who truly has free will. We lived in a confined perception. This always reminds me of the story of like, of like Cain and Abel. I mean, what you get in the scriptures is you see Cain on his worst day ever. And it is recorded for all of eternity. And we think Cain and Abel, we think, oh, Cain is a terrible guy. But you never see Cain as, as a little kid growing up making his mom and dad smile. You never see what happens on his wedding day. You never see any, All you see is Cain on his worst day possible. You know, one of the things the movie really makes you ask is how do we really know anything? We only know, again, what we perceive. What if you woke up and realized that all you thought and all you knew was just a dream? Maybe it's like Solomon who says, everything is a vapor. Everything is just meaningless. I mean, maybe you're here and you're listening to my brilliant discourse on in Inception, but you could really be medicated in a padded cell. You know, that, that could be you. See, what is true? The assurance of a Christian is that God has woken us up from the dream that you and I have lived within, that he has given us truth. This is why Jesus says constantly throughout the scriptures that I tell you the truth over and over and over. He says in the scriptures in John 17, 17, that the scriptures are truth, that God's word is truth. God has designed his people to be more complex than we can ever imagine. It is why we are supposed to look past some small slight, some small hurt, and give dignity and worth to all people because they're made in the image of God. 
And what you see in Inception is there is a reality that is worth chasing, that there is a truth that is real and worth fighting for. It is seen in the desperation of every single one of those characters getting back to and restoring relationships. I mean, this is what Jesus has done for you and I. I mean, the whole idea that, that Jesus came and, and took away our sin, that which separates us from other people and from God, and restores relationship again. That's just my first little thing. File that away somewhere and just walk away. You went, oh, hey, that was cool. So my next one really just bombs. The first one was good. All right, th- this, is, this is what I really think Inception can also be seen as in two different ways, two different sides of a coin. I was talking to Mikey a couple weeks ago about this, and I said, well, I think, and he goes, well, that could go the other way too. So I'll give you both and, and see where it goes. Uh, this is sin and salvation. I'll cover sin first. I'll give you the negative, and then the positive in Inception. I think through the movie, Sin, Cobb's crew has a heist. They want to perform this heist. And how do they plan to do that? They want to go into a key place, into this person's mind, into his soul, and tells him, your father doesn't want you to live in his image. You can be your own God. I mean, you can be your own man. That's what they tell him. And, and it doesn't start with something radical. It just starts with maybe a few phrases here and there, a tweak just a bit. Maybe kind of like Genesis. Did God really say, you can't eat from any tree in the garden? Is that, is that what God said? Just a little tweak. Did your dad really mean this? They take an integral part of who Fisher was, and they slightly rewrite it. They incept it so that everything is different. This is what Christians believe Satan did in the garden, where everything goes wrong. The corrupting idea was implanted. And it became damnation. On the other side of the coin, you have the whole idea of salvation. Cobb's team on the other side of the coin, they enter Fisher's mind to set him free from a lie that has held him in ignorance his entire life. An idea that comes in that can change everything, that can actually set you free. It can rewrite all the rules. Like God coming and God incarnating in human flesh and saying the phrase, I am, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Everything is now different. Everything can be made new. And you set aside all of Cobb's flaws and you look at the parallel. Okay? Fisher, he's got a wicked father. John 8.44, Jesus says to the religious leaders, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Right? So Cobb and his team enters Fisher's mind to plant an idea, a life-giving word. You can be free from the chains that have held you down. You can be free from the sin that your Father has placed upon you. Those walls can be broken down. Everything can be made new again. What has defined you in the past no longer needs to define you in the future. It doesn't define who you are. This is something that happened to me at 17 years old when Jesus saves me, when I am restored to new life. So Cobb goes in with his team, and I think just like Jesus and his disciples, bringing new and good news, an inception could show you the great truth that your whole life can be made new. Our world is a place that has brought the lie, and only Jesus going deep to root out the lie is going to set you and I free to where our tops stop spinning. Because that's what we are. When, when, we, when we focus on ourselves, our tops continue to spin. And we focus on the tops. And we ask this dumb question like, well, are we a good person or are we a bad person? Well, how was I raised? Well, what if that's the wrong question? Am I meant to get married? Am I meant to, meant to be single? Do I go right? Do I go left? What Inception kind of does is it tells you to step back to see the big picture and ask the question that redefines all of that, a question that redefines everything, the one that Jesus says that we should ask. 
John 9, 20, it says, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? That's the question we step back and ask. Who defines what is true? Peter answers the question, you are the Christ of God. Christopher Nolan says the point of the very last scene in the movie where that spinning top is going, it's that that Cobb finally stops looking at the top and he looks towards his kids. And I thought about this and I thought, well, if that's true, then Cobb's just exchanged one false reality for another because our destination is important. Who we look to as the source of truth in our lives is very important. Our destination or truth needs to be Jesus in all things or our lives will simply be spinning tops. We need to be a people who realize that Jesus has come to set us free. That's my take on the movie, by the way. There you go. Uh, any questions for you guys? Anybody watch movies like this and think, oh, how can I relate this to the gospel? <laughs> Do you know if the last, like, I looked at that and I, and I did not see him have it on, so I don't know. Yeah, according, according to the mic, everybody wants to know that. That's, that's why people, Michael Caine's having an interview, so what happened? What was it? And Michael Caine said, and, and I guess Christopher Nolan got mad at him because Christopher Nolan wanted people to sit there and go, well, what was true, what wasn't true? How do and Michael Caine goes, well, I will tell you, they're different actors and they're wearing different clothes. It wasn't a dream. So he goes, you can all feel better. He was awake. It, he came back to reality. Anybody else? No? All right, so anybody, so who didn't see it before tonight? Who hasn't seen it? Okay, who was like, I can't believe I sat through that? Or anybody really like it? This is good, right? Yeah? <laughs> You're like, I don't know what's going on with this movie. What's that? Just see, there you go. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Wait till the dark night rises, then we'll see what happens. All right, uh, let's, let's, let's pray, and then we'll take off. Uh, Father, thank you so much again for uh, the creativity of people and how... Your gospel can be seen unique ways uh, through the creativity you've given people, even people who don't trust you yet. And so I ask that you would uh, take Christopher Nolan and that you would bring him to know you because that would just really be awesome when he starts making movies that uh, glorify you more than when we pull little things like this out of it. We thank you for being a God who does love us in, in such a way that you give us creativity because you are a God who is creative. Uh, we ask that in all things that we would honor you in what we do. Amen. Have a good night.